0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank. Welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. Episode seven is upon us. And I've been told by a pretty reliable source that once you get to episode 7 of a podcast, as a podcaster, that means you are very likely to keep going into the future. So take that as a good omen. We've hit episode 7, and there's no sign of stopping. Okay, so I know I told you that every other episode would be an interview, and the odd episodes in between those would be solo episodes on this podcast. But since I have a lot of things going on in my life pertaining to graduation, I have a few speaking engagements coming up and lots of things going on, I decided that I would do another interview, which is one that I've been wanting to do for a while and I've been super excited about it, so I just got to get it out today and here it is. So today's guest on the College Info Geek podcast is Pat Flynn, the founder of smartpassiveincome.com and to be honest, Pat Flynn is one of my personal heroes and one of the people who has helped me most in my life success and in fact, um, I wrote a post about how I was able to pay off almost $15,000 of student debt in six months before graduating, which has been one of my goals for, you know, more than two years. Pat is the person whose content and advice has helped me the most in being able to achieve that goal. So I'm incredibly excited to get this interview out to you and Pat is going to teach you or show you how he was able to build multiple passive income sources that enabled him to earn over $40,000 a month on a consistent basis. He's been doing this for I think over four years now and his income has been growing every month since then and it's just been awesome to watch him do this and the coolest thing about it is on his site, Smart Passive Income, Pat releases a monthly report that shows every dollar of income he makes from every single source and all his expenses. So he's completely open and transparent about that which is the thing I love and the thing that got me hooked on his site at first. But before he gets into his smart passive income business and all his passive income sources, Pat talks about how he was able to land a job in an architecture firm right out of college. He talks about how he was able to leapfrog a lot of the um, roadblocks and requirements for getting to higher positions in that company. And then he talks about how due to the housing market crash, he was laid off and what he did about that. So this is a great story. And I think there's something for everyone in this episode of the podcast, whether you're looking to start your own business or create passive income streams on your own, whether you don't know what that is, or whether you're just looking to find a job out of college. Pat has insight for all of that, and I am just super excited for you to hear this, so... As always, you can find the show notes for this episode and anything I've talked to and talk, said I'd link to if you go to collegeinfogeek.com/cast, click on the episode for episode uh, link for episode 7, and you can find that there. Also, if you like this episode, if you were inspired by it or you learned something, I would be very appreciative if you go on iTunes and leave a review or a rating for this podcast. It helps it rank up in the rankings and puts it on the front page and it's awesome. So, without any further ado, let's get right into the interview. All right,
1: welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, Thomas.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. And I am super excited to get into this interview and hear your story and how you got to where you were. So um, I just finished reading Let Go a couple of days ago. And in the book, you talked about kind of your story going from college to your job as an architect before you got into your business. So before we talk about your Smart Passive Income website and how you're building passive income streams for yourself, can you talk a little bit about how your interactions with in your relationships that you built got you into your uh, architecture job
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a really funny story how I landed my architecture job and for a long time, I was putting out resumes just you know doing the, the you know the the thing that I, we're all supposed to do is just you know have a nice resume and send it to as many you know people as possible and hope you get a call back and I wasn't getting any callbacks and and so the way I landed my job actually was sort of unforeseen it was it was unexpected. I went to a dinner at this restaurant called Momo's Cafe in uh, San Francisco. It's across from Pac Bell Stadium, or now called AT&T Park. And um, I was there because I was in the marching band at the University of California at Berkeley. And the sort of top executives in the band every year get invited to Momo's to meet with the owner because he was a Cal alum as well. And he invites us over to kind of keep in touch with the band and get to meet us and stuff. And so we went over for dinner. It was me and like four or five other people. And we were having a good time. And then Pete Osborne, the owner of this restaurant, he came by halfway through dinner, and he was like, "Hey, you know, what are your names? What do you do? Like, what's your major? Uh, You know, what instruments you play, and that, that sort of thing." So we're around the table, and it finally got to me, and I was like, "Hey, well, I'm I'm Pat Flynn. I play the trumpet, and I'm interested in architecture." And he's like, "Oh, that's cool. What kind of architecture?" And I was like, "Oh, well, actually, restaurant architecture. And you have a beautiful restaurant here." And he's like, "Oh, well, thank you. I actually know a guy named John McNulty." Who designed this particular restaurant? He works for MBH Architects here in the Bay Area. Let me let me see if I can give him a call for you. And I was like, like well, I was kind of just taken aback because I wasn't expecting anything. You know, th- I was here just to have a nice dinner. I mean, I was so used to eating food at the Dining Commons. You know, any sort of dinner that we have uh, outside of the Dining Commons is is awesome. Uh, and that's that's why I was there. And he was like, oh well, you know, let me call my friend John and see if he can hook you up with the job. And I was like. I didn't know what to say. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. And then he kind of left um, to go back into his office. And then all of us at the table were like, dude, Pat, that's so awesome. Like, wow, like, that's so cool. And I I was like, I didn't even know what to say, really. And I didn't really expect much of it because, you know, sometimes people say those those kinds of things and they don't follow through. And the next day, um, you know, I sort of forgot about that actually because I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think he was going to follow through. But the next day, I get a call from John McNulty from MBH Architects and he, you know, Pete put the call in for me and gave me some good uh, good words and I got the call back the next day to come in for an interview and I, I landed my job that way. And so it's it really interesting. You know, I was trying so hard to get this job by doing the traditional thing, by putting my resume out there to people I didn't know, and you know, just sort of throwing, you know, spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticked, right? And nothing was sticking. And here I was going to this random meetup where I was just meeting random people and and all of a sudden I get a call back the next day for my architecture position. So I think the big lesson there is just to you know meet and you know befriend as many people as you can. Even you know sometimes you never know who may know who, and uh, that that can help you kind of move forward in, in your career.
0: That's absolutely amazing. I'm I'm seeing this recurring theme as I like keep talking to people. I'm not sure if you know Barrett Brooks, but uh, he's another entrepreneur who landed his own job through kind of just an optopic meeting with another person. He went to mm-hmm. um, some sort of leadership summit for a company he wasn't even interested in, met an executive there for the company he had applied for earlier, and that person got him an interview that he had previously been denied, denied for. And then in my oh, own nice. experience, I also met somebody at a leadership conference where just that one relationship got me the internship that I had been wanting. So it's so cool to hear that from you and just to hear that they, these little interactions through you know networking, and for you it wasn't even purposeful networking in a business sense Mm -hmm. that get you in. Now, am I correct to say that you probably were doing a lot of things in college to try and land jobs and build your resume?
1: Oh yeah, totally. Like I was... You know, obviously, I was trying to get good grades. I was doing a lot of extracurricular stuff, a lot of community service. I was you know, just sending my resume to, uh, out to as many people as possible and doing research on every single individual firm to see you know, what positions were open and how much they paid and, and what skill sets I had versus what was offered from them. So I was, I was definitely doing a lot of things. Um, and again, like you said, just this random little meetup became the reason why I got this job. I mean, we didn't even talk about any of that stuff, resume skills or anything like that. And I still got... The position. Um, obviously, we talked about the stuff in the interview, but to land that interview, which I didn't even get anywhere else, uh, we didn't even talk about any of those things that were on my resume. It was just through the connection.
0: And you really, yeah, when you think about it, it wasn't. It wasn't your resume. It was just, hey, I'm in the band, and I'm interested in this this certain topic that he was also interested in. Knew somebody.
1: Right. And if you think about it from the from John's point of view, the the principal at MBA at architects, and you know, he probably gets a billion resumes to potentially hire people. Who is he gonna be sort of interested in more? People who he doesn't know who are just sending him pieces of paper or a recommendation from a friend or somebody who he knows and trusts. Obviously the person who he knows and trusts. So the idea is if the more people you meet, the more people you uh, build relationships with, um, the more of that sort of interaction that you're going to have on a second, third, fourth degree level with people can, that can have an influence on your life.
0: Awesome. Now, had you done an internship before this in the architecture field or was this your first kind of foray the, into it?
1: This, this was my first foray into it, actually. So, again, I had less qualifications probably than a lot of other people who were doing internships or who had done a lot of entry-level stuff uh, before me. I didn't even have computer experience, which was kind of the, this. Is a side note, an interesting fact about UC Berkeley, the architecture program they're very traditional they're just now getting into autocad and computers they're so traditional everything was hand-drawn um so i was really good at doing the hand-drawn stuff um but that was an obvious setback when trying to get a job and i think that's why i didn't get as many people or anybody to call me back for an interview because i didn't have that autocad computer experience um and so i actually learned when i you know I guess John liked me enough based on the interview and kind of trusted in my ability to quickly pick up CAD, which I did uh, after I got, after I started working.
0: That's, that's kind of surprising to me, but not at the same time that a college is kind of really behind the times on, on (laughs) educating you for the actual skills you need in the job. But still, it's awesome that you were able to get a job and it's so cool that it came through just a simple interaction like that and building a relationship with somebody. It
1: felt, it felt really awesome. Just Awesome
0: cool. So you got the job and you worked at it for a while and you wanted to basically find a way to advance through the ranks faster than the normal course was, which was, you know, several years doing the uh drafting work and then moving up to uh what was it, senior drafter or something like that.
1: Yeah, I I, I was a entry level drafter then it's senior drafter, then a job captain, and then it would be a project manager, uh, project manager, and then I would eventually, you know, years later, potentially have my own firm or something like that. That was the plan, and so I wanted to get there as fast as possible. But you know, between senior drafter and job captain, you know, typically there are years of experience between there because people, in order to become a job captain and actually be in charge of specific drawings and interactions with different consultants and clients, you need some ex- actual experience in the field. You can't just have been behind a computer the whole time. And then to get to a project manager position, I mean, most of those project managers are licensed architects who have gone, you know, at least in California, it takes six to eight years to get a license. Um, There's like multiple tests plus an oral exam and all these other requirements. It just takes forever. And that's sort of why I sort of took a different route to try and um, sort of increase what what was on on my skill set and resume.
0: So you were looking at probably 10 to 12 years of, Work before you could get to where you really wanted to be managing actual projects.
1: Yeah, definitely, and actually putting in some uh, some design work that I had from my brain. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have any say as a drafter um, as far as what a, a building looked like. I mean, I had absolutely no say at all. And that's, and that's not what, what you wanted to do. No. I can
0: totally, I can totally, um, you know, understand that because I, I personally want to be able to build things and design things on my own as well. So if I were stuck in that situation, I probably would have done the same thing as you, which is try to get there as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. And this is the point where you start laying the foundations for what you're currently doing today. So what was it that you did to kind of leapfrog over all those roadblocks that would have been in your way?
1: Sure. Well, everybody my age in the firm was pretty much working toward their architecture license. And so they were studying and taking tests and going to all these little things um, to learn about how to do that. And I was like, you know, I got to do something different just to show my sort of higher ups that, you know, I am different. And then I wanted, you know, I wanted something that would be a little bit quicker to have on my resume. Um, and just show them again, like I'm, I'm not like everybody else. So what I did was I found this exam that was sort of becoming popular at the time called the LEED exam, L-E-E-D which stands for Leadership in uh, Energy and Environmental Design and that's an exam that sort of helps people in the design industry um, understand how to build buildings and, and manage projects that are you know, sustainable and environmentally friendly and that sort of thing. And I attempted to study for this test the first time around like I used to study for tests in college with flashcards and, and, and legal pads and just highlighters and stuff. And I failed. Like, I failed miserably. I, t- I took a couple practice tests after a couple months of, uh, of um, you know, studying. And, and I got, like, 20 to 30% on the score. And I was like, wow, I've never gotten anything this bad before. Um, so I actually gave up on that for a while. And I was like, oh, maybe I should just do the architecture license thing like everybody else. But a lot of people who were kind of older than me were starting to pass this exam. I started to ask them questions about it. And, th- and I got inspired to do it again. This time... I started to uh, instead of studying sort of the traditional way, I actually created a website to help me keep track of my notes because the thing about this exam is it was a huge there was a huge database of facts and terms and everything that you needed to memorize for the exam. I mean, well, there was no sort of essay portion or things like that, or you didn't really even need a general understanding of, of what was going on. You just need to memorize a ton of different facts. And so I created a website to help organize all that information, break it down, create relationships between each of the different things. And a lot of the test questions came from um, third-party websites that were linked to in the little reference guide. It actually wasn't a little reference guide. It was about four inches thick. Uh, of stuff I needed to memorize, but, you know, having my own website to kind of keep track of those notes and organize everything in my brain uh, was much easier, and I could share that with my coworkers, and it would be something tangible that I could share my boss that could potentially be shared around the firm and, you know, make me look even better, and so I studied for this test. Uh, like it, it took about a year, actually, to memorize everything and, and that I needed to memorize, and it's just, you know, I'm a very slow learner in that way. Um, you know, I'm a terrible test taker, but, in March of 2008, I passed the exam. Uh, I passed it with flying colors, and I just let the site sit there. I didn't do anything else with it. I actually then got promoted to job captain. I actually became the the youngest person in the firm to be uh, promoted to job captain. So that was huge. I was making about $60,000 a year at that point. Life was amazing. I was contributing to my 401K. I had just proposed to my wife or to my girlfriend at the time, uh, and, and everything was going well. That is until summer, when, uh, you know, just a few months later, um, and it's funny how it happened right after I got promoted to, it's just like a, it's a huge up and, and, and then a huge down when I learned that I was going to get laid off. And that's sort of what started this whole roller coaster of events from, you know, probably the lowest, most depressing moments of my life right after I learned I was getting laid off to then taking what I had on this website, you know, getting inspired by other people who are doing business online, in particular, a couple people who are actually teaching People had to pass other exams and be like, wow, that's a cool business model. Maybe I can do that too. And learning that all this time that my site was up, even though I wasn't touching it, there were thousands of people visiting that site a day. And I had no idea that this was happening. Um, How I found that out was I put an analytical tool on the site after I started learning about online business to keep track of traffic. You know, you need analytical tools. I put one on. And the next day, I saw thousands of people were coming to the site. It just freaked me out. And I got, I, at first, I didn't know how it happened, but I had written so much content. It had been up there for a long time and people started sharing it with everybody else that Google just started to pick up a lot of the articles and rank them really high for a lot of keywords that people were typing in. So I was getting thousands of visitors a day. Um, and I eventually, you know, long story short, I um, monetized that traffic by writing a study guide for my audience there and uh, you know because I was seen as sort of this expert because I was this person who was posting information about this exam that people needed to know um, they they ate it up I mean they bought the book a lot of people sent me handwritten thank you notes saying thank you so much for saving me like a year of my time uh, giving me exactly what I needed to know for the exam because um, they didn't know where to start and I gave them all that information I sold that guy for $19.99 in October of 2008 the first Month I had made seven thousand nine hundred and eight dollars and fifty five cents just from that one twenty dollar wow. book, and uh, that just changed my life. That that's what showed me that um, there were so many more opportunities out there that I didn't know about. That there were legitimate and and honest ways to make a uh, a living online. Um, you know, my whole experience with online business and sort of internet marketing before that was. It was a very snake oily type of industry, very scammy, and people just trying to squeeze every dollar out of you. And here I was, publishing an ebook and getting paid for it, and people thanking me in return and wanting more from me. So you know, that's um, when I started the Smart Passive Income Blog, which is where most people know me from now. Which is where I shared everything about how I started um, that website and new websites and new businesses now, and just sharing everything along the way so that people can see what I'm doing. And you know, I, I sort of feel like I'm a crash test dummy you know I just try things and if it works awesome if it doesn't people can be like okay I'm not going to do what Pat just did um, you know I'm so fortunate to be in this position now making tens of of dollars a month through that lead site through smart passive income through a bunch of other sites and businesses that are created um, you know an iPhone application company um, again just testing and experimenting with all these different things uh, becoming that crash test I mean you know so many amazing things have happened that I just want to give back so that's why on smart passive income you know it's it's all high value content I just give everything that I can away for free and expect, uh, nothing back in return. But what happens is because of that, you know, I've, I've gained this trust with my audience who go out of their way to try and pay me back for what I've given them. So, you know, I'm making good money on smart passive income now. And at the same time, people are coming back for more. So it's just, uh, it's just been a wild ride and an awesome journey. And, and again, it, all, you know, thinking about the butterfly effect, it all came down to that time. I went to, uh, that meeting at, um, you know, for the marching band and got that job in architecture, which led me to the lead exam, which led me to, uh, you know, finding my own business and and, and and being confident enough to to go down this route, which was actually a big struggle with me. I didn't, you know, I was taught that I was supposed to be an architect and work there for 40 years and, and retire at 65. And this is so different and so scary. Um, but now that I'm here, it's it's awesome. And I wish I could go back in time and just talk to my younger self and be like, dude, like there's so many other cool things out there that uh, you're missing because you are on this path that somebody else told you to be on.
0: And then you figured out that you didn't really need that path at all. You kind of just made it for yourself. Yep. There's, there's a ton of awesome points I want to cover there. But since I do have a college podcast and there might be some architecture students in the audience, uh, what is your <laughs> green exam? Is there your lead exam site?
1: Oh, sure. It's uh, you can find it at green exam Academy dot com it was actually originally in the lead dot com but um i got a nice cease and desist letter after this site started to take off because i didn't know i couldn't use lead in the domain name um so that was like one of the several mistakes that i made when starting up and i think that's a big lesson because you know you don't have to be perfect when you start out you just have to execute and do and put yourself out there and and again great opportunities happen when when you do that just like it happened for me
0: I kind of had a situation like that too. Um, when I was first starting out, I wanted to make like a parody site of Facebook and called it Mustache Book. It would only be like <laughs> mustaches. But a bunch of people were like, you should get rid of that site because they're going to see you. So I definitely have had sort of the same experience. And yeah, don't don't put trademark names in your domain name. So you've got all this amazing stuff going now and all this awesome content, you know, hundreds of articles. But when you started the site, as you said before, the site was just kind of for you to study. You didn't have this goal of making money or anything really when you started out. It was just, just kind of your notes. Now, when you were when you were starting the site for yourself, were you writing your content specifically to teach others, or was it kind of just like note format, kind of like brain dump?
1: It was, it was, it was seriously brain dump, but in, in an organized way. So I take sections of the reference guide, which were huge, and just put the most important parts in there, bullet points. You know, I would create charts and upload images and stuff. It was funny because now that I think about it, I was doing everything I was supposed to do in order to get a website ranking high and provide high value content. I was I was pretty much my own audience at that point. You know, I, I was I was my own target audience. And and you know, when you can scratch your own itch, sometimes there are other people out there who have the same itch that that your solution can scratch for them too. I mean, that's a that's a big. Uh, sort of motif with the guys from 37 signals who wrote, we rework, you know, they built Basecamp, which is a project management tool just for them. And now it's one of the most highest gross, you know, the most popular project management tool because they've shared that solution with everybody else after they built it for themselves and the way that they want to use it.
0: Right. Because every piece of content you were writing, you were writing it so you could come back later and read it. And so you would understand it.
1: Exactly. And I wasn't the only one studying for this exam, I guess.
0: Have you ever heard of the learning pyramid?
1: Um, I'm not that familiar with it.
0: Okay, so it was this It was this research um, done back in the 70s, and I don't really believe the exact percentages, but they basically just have this pyramid of the retention rates for different activities like listening to a lecture or writing something or teaching it to others. And teaching was obviously the highest because mm-hmm. not only are you trying to learn the material yourself, you're trying to figure out a way to convey it to others. Mm-hmm. So you were probably learning really really well but you were also formatting it in a way that helps others out which is awesome
1: again just sort of by by accident and i say that with air quotes um because it was purposely made for myself and again i was my own perfect sort of uh person you know target audience member um and it just it it, everything was worked out really well after that
0: awesome so obviously the the blog helped you to learn your material and eventually it helped you learn or er, earn money as well. But what are the other benefits of having a blog? Because a lot of students might want to start their own blogs, but if you tell them you can make money blogging, that's probably like going to seem impossible. It seemed impossible to me when I started. And right. if you tell them it's a study tool, I might think, Oh, I can just use flashcards or something. What are the other benefits to running a blog that in your mind?
1: Well, I think you know, when talking about a blog versus just a static website, the, the benefit of a blog is the fact that it's sort of organic and and, and you can create a community on it. I mean I think and this goes back to what we talked about earlier in my sort of interactions with Pete at Momos, you know, you're building relationships with people. That's what you want to do. That's what's going to get you ahead. And you can build relationships with people on a blog um by having people read your content and then having people comment on it. You can actually get to know them. Maybe they can subscribe to your email list and you can contact them directly via email and um you know that's how uh you build these relationships that can lead to anything, you know, not just um, you know transactions and and earning money from those people, but made potentially jobs or speaking gigs or you know it, it was it was this sort of thing that helped me get into Hollywood also, uh, which is another story and and you know i 've met so many amazing people because of the blog that i 've created and i 've connect connected with people who are similar minded as me I think that 's what it does too. It sort of filters everybody in the world onto your site who will probably have a lot of the same likes. And a lot of the same interests and, and uh, as you do, and so you can connect with those people. You can band together. You can actually cha- you can you can create movements. You can change the world uh, with a blog. It doesn't just have to be for making money, but it could be for um, sending a message. It could be for um, trying to create a movement, or to, again, just creating communities.
0: I think for me, the first person that comes to mind, if that was uh, Steve Cam with his, Mm -hmm. uh, fit nerd fitness. Fitness. He's got a huge movement behind that. And just the, the forums are so big and just everything is, he's doing so well with that. But also with you, obviously like your, your blog helped me out so much and really just kind of set the course for my life, which is amazing. And so it really is, I agree with you. It's just an amazing networking tool to find people who share the same interests as you. So it helps you target the people who you probably would build relationships with better. Mm -hmm. and it really works so well. Now, you mentioned um, getting connected into Hollywood with your blog, and that's a story I can't really slip by because that sounds awesome. So can you talk (laughs) about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, it was actually, it it was my blog, but more so my podcast. So, you know, in 2010, I started this podcast and I started creating episodes talking about online business and social media and stuff like that, and it started to rank really high in iTunes. Um, And then this uh, early January, I got an email from a guy named Mitchell Peck, who is a producer for a, a lot of, you know, Hollywood movies, some million, you know, hundreds of million dollars Sony type movies. And he was working on an independent movie. And he emailed me. He's like, Pat, I found you on iTunes through your podcast. I love your stuff. Would you like to work with me and my crew here to help us with social media and the website stuff for this new movie we have coming out? Uh, It's an independent movie. It's about lacrosse. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I've never heard of a lacrosse movie. And that's why they were like, oh, well, there's never been a lacrosse movie. This is a good opportunity for everybody. Um, the movie's called Crooked Arrows. And for about a year, I worked with them, helping them build the website and a social media campaign. I helped take their Facebook page from about 6,000 people when I came on to about 140,000 people. And uh, it was just a really, really fun experience. And I got, you know, part of the deal um, we made was, you know, I obviously got paid a fee for for helping them out. Um, but I, part, part of the deal was, you know, I wanted, I was like, you know, here's my sort of fee and also part of the deal is I want to come on a set and be an extra and they're like dude totally come on by so it (laughs) it was August of 2012 no no August 2011 they were shooting in Boston actually uh and I they invited me out they paid for my flight I got to meet uh, Brandon Routh who played Superman in Superman Returns and all these great actors um I got to you know play lacrosse a little bit with some of the, you know, lacrosse players that they found uh, to act in the movie. It was just so awesome. And I got to be in a small scene in the movie. Now, unfortunately um, (laughs) it was about like a two frames because I was in, it was in a crowd scene. And so it was really hard to find me, but, they invited me back for another movie later on called Lucky Stiff, which isn't out yet. Some, like, I don't even know how the movie industry works really, but someone still has to buy it or something. I don't know, but they filmed it. And they invited me on set uh, because it was here in San Diego where I'm from, and I got to be an, an extra in this movie. And I actually got to be an important extra where um, there's a scene where this woman and, and a man, the man is actually played by Jason Alexander, who is uh, George from Seinfeld. So I got to meet him too. Um, but they come into the hotel, and I'm, I'm dressed in like a bellhop outfit and I try to take the woman's bag and she like takes it back from me because there's a gun in it in the story. So there's that really cool interaction. So it's like a legit background piece. So I hope that somebody picks up that movie and I can see it one day. Um, (laughs) It's really scary. I I, I give actors a ton of props because it's really difficult, but it was fun. So yeah, that all became, that all happened because uh, of of having the blog, putting the podcast on there and just again, putting myself out there showing, you know, showing people what my skills were and, um again, just connecting with people and now I have the director of the movie contacting me for help. I have um a bunch of the actors who were in that particular movie or who have heard of me from other movies uh, or uh, actors from other movies who have heard that I worked on this movie want me to help manage your social media campaign and you know it's awesome. I wish I could do everything and I've unfortunately had to say no, and that's what's so cool like I'm actually saying no to some of these amazing opportunities that are happening um you know there's just so many opportunities out there it's awesome.
0: So, start a blog, start a podcast, and be in movies. That's, <laughs> that's the path, right?
1: <laughs> the, that's what happened to me. Um, you know, what? who knows what can happen to you, you know?
0: Well, I will not be surprised if I see you having a speaking role in a movie pretty soon. Cause...
1: Oh, yeah, right. I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> it's really cool that you mentioned that uh, it was the podcast that opened that opportunity for you, because I really wanted to talk about your podcast um, sure. next. and. To be honest, it was your podcast that inspired me to do my own podcast, and then it was your series of videos and tutorials on how to build a podcast that enabled me to do it, and I just awesome. got to say uh, right now, mad props to you, because that that podcasting guy you put together was spot on. Thanks, man. Such a good Appreciate tutorial, it. and I was able <laughs> to get the <laughs> PodcastingTutorial.com. PodcastingTutorial.com. Go to it if you yeah. want to start one. Honestly, uh, this is... This will be episode eight when I publish it. I've only done six episodes so far, and it's up to about 5,000 downloads. And it's been – honestly, I feel like it's it's cooler than the blog.
1: It's pretty cool to get behind a microphone. I mean it's a little scary, but it's pretty awesome uh, the sort of reaction you get from people who listen to you. And I've, I've gone to a lot of conferences lately. I've been doing a lot of public speaking, and people will come up to me, and the first thing they'll say is like, Pat, I love your podcast podcast everything is about the podcast like it's weird because the first thing i started was a blog i know i have you know 60,000 plus subscribers on the blog but the first thing people mention is the podcast so i th- so i think there's something to say with the power of the voice and being able to connect with people to tell stories uh and and you know interview amazing people um not to say that i'm amazing but i'm just saying you know the ability to interview people and introduce people to your audience and just how much people remember that sort of thing it's, it's it's so cool so i'm really glad to see you're doing a podcast and they say if you get past podcast seven that you're going to be in it for for the long run so congratulations on getting to number eight
0: all right i don't is were you making that up or is that actually no that no your... no oh really cliff,
1: cliff ravenscraft uh from the podcast Answerman, who's who inspired me to start my podcast he said that typically most people who don't get to episode seven or you know they say that if you get if you can get past episode seven then you're you're good. You're gonna you're gonna create many many more episodes in the future. And a lot of people who, um, you know, sort of drop out or start to slack by episode seven, they typically will give up.
0: Gotcha. Well, that is uh, really encouraging to hear <laughs> <laughs> because I have dreams of being able to say episode fifty like you did on your Fitty. 50th. fifty. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, you were you're totally right. You know, you're you're able to interview amazing people, and honestly, I do think you are amazing. And thanks, man. I would have never thought i would be able to interview people like you and people like leo and dan on the other two episodes um just having this as like a publication kind of opens those doors for you and that's kind of what i've been telling people about a blog and about a podcast is people who wouldn't talk to you before will probably talk to you now because they know that one your your message from them is going to go out to more people and two they can use it as a press mention for sure so even if they don't like feel like it they're probably going to do it because it's in their interest yeah, Which definitely. is really cool. But also the point you made about um, people always coming up and talking to you about the podcast instead of the blog. I'll tell you a little bit of a secret. Now. I usually don't read most of your blog posts. Not because I, I, do, I skim them, but I have so many tabs open all the time that it is very difficult for me to pay attention to a blog post on a regular basis. But the podcast, I listen to every single episode multiple times. It's like nice. every single time in the gym I listen to it and a lot of your episodes I listen to five, six, seven times just because all the information' is great and I think Sweet. one it's it's like a focused thing and two just hearing you like speak makes it seem like I'm kind of having a conversation with you whereas if it's reading a blog post, I mean it's like it's reading so. Yeah, it's a totally. I
1: mean, I'm actually speaking uh, next week, a week from yesterday at the time of this recording, uh, at Social Media Marketing World here in San Diego. And my whole presentation is about power of podcasting and, and uh, to get exposure and, and leads and not eventually make more money from it. Um, so it's huge, man. Podcasting is huge. It's, it's still an untapped medium. Um, and a lot of people have started their careers on podcasts before creating websites.
0: And I think you mentioned um, in a blog post somewhere that there's, you know, a certain amount of blogs created every day and certain amount of blogs being run. And then the number of podcasts being run is like less than 1% of that number.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it's, it's definitely, like you said, an untapped medium. That's, that's so cool. So the thing I talked about in my post today, I I wrote a post about how I was actually able to pay off my debt and I explained affiliate marketing, but you are kind of the go-to guy in my opinion for explaining what affiliate marketing is and how to do it right. So Mm -hmm. since people have asked me that question, I kind of want to ask you, what is affiliate marketing? How do you do it right? And how do you make money from it?
1: Sure, well, affiliate marketing is making money by selling other people's stuff or other businesses' products. You know, not spending the time to create the product on your own but finding a product that your audience might like and selling that and then earning a commission every time you make a sale it differs from advertising when you're still promoting other people's stuff but with advertising typically you get paid monthly to to show a particular banner or you get paid per click doesn't necessarily need to close a sale with affiliate marketing you need to close a sale and typically based on you know cookies and tracking uh you know if you find a product a lot of times they'll give you a special link that'll that'll be tied to you and your name If you if you bring people through that link, which will land people back on that product's website, and they complete an order, um, the tracking will know to give you credit for it. And typically, you could see a report uh, about how you're doing, how many clicks people have, how many times people have clicked that link versus how many people have converted. It's all really interesting stuff. Sometimes companies don't have uh, an affiliate program where they give you an affiliate link. Sometimes they'll give you a coupon code, which is specifically tied to you, and that's how they keep track. And, you know, a lot of times you might find a product and it just might not have an affiliate program. Not every product has an affiliate program. Um, Some of the most popular ones are, you know, Amazon has what they call their Amazon Associate Program. And that is their affiliate program. So you can sign up for that. And um, now, depending on what state you're in, you can sell anything on Amazon by getting a link to a particular product you send people through that link and you'll get probably 6% I think for for Amazon which is really low compared to a lot of other industries in internet marketing and this online business space and um, blogging you know a lot of times the commission will be 50% of a particular price and what's cool about that is it's 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 technically really easy to do you can find a product that you like, get that affiliate link, put it on your website, and just send people through that, tra- uh, send traffic through that link, and boom, you're making commission. Sounds really easy, and that's you know because it sounds really easy, that's why I feel it's been abused and why it has kind of a negative connotation now. Um, a lot of people hear affiliate marketing, they think snake oil, they think um, you know just uh, really aggressive tactics and 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 um, not being very honest and truthful. And I wanted to take a different approach to that and. Um, so I, I do it in a very honest way where I don't start with the product and how much I can make from it. I first start with two things. One, building a relationship with my audience. You know, that's the first I mean, the, whether you're doing affiliate marketing or not, you're selling your own products or even if you're advertising, you know, building that relationship is the most important thing because I don't I don't want to pitch that much. You know, you still have to do a little bit of pitching, but the bigger relationship you have with people or the better or the stronger that relationship is, the less pitching you have to do. So think about a significant other that you have, or maybe, um, you know, your wife or husband or, you know, if you're in college, your boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you know, you have a great relationship. They don't really need to, to do much pitching for you to do something for them. Right. If, if like your girlfriend's like, Hey, can you go to the fridge and get me, you know, a beer or something? Yeah. There's no arguing, you know, you're just going to do that because you know them already. And you would do that to any friend. Um, but you know, you might be signed up to a lot of email lists where you don't really know the people and they're not trying to get to know you. So they're using every single tactic in the book, to try and get you to make a sale. They're pitching you like every day they're using the best sales copy. They're spending thousands of dollars on the exact words that they know that are going to make you take action. Um, And not all of us have that kind of money and all of us want to do it that way. So I feel like starting with a relationship first is the best thing to do. Now from there, it's about finding the right products and, and before you can find the right products um, which which is a very precise sort of uh, strategy you, you have to understand where people are and versus where where you where they ultimately want to go what what is that ultimate goal that they want to achieve um, for me for example it was they want to pass the lead exam and become a you know a lead accredited professional and that's where they want to go where, where are they now they don't even know where to start so I give them everything in between to help them get, uh, get from point A to point Z in that, in that journey uh, to their ultimate goal. And sometimes on that journey or on that path, there is free information. Sometimes it's products that I can create on my, on my own. Sometimes it's products that uh, other people have created. Sometimes it's products that may have an affiliate commission or uh, you know, possible affiliate programs, sometimes they don't. It doesn't matter. What matters is you're giving them everything they need, the information, the products, tools, and services to get from point A to point Z. And on that path, if there are any opportunities for affiliate commissions, then yeah, absolutely you should do that. And you would be doing your audience a disfavor if you weren't sharing those products that can help them get there. And what's cool is by doing affiliate marketing, you're sort of adding products to your own product line. So this goes along with my third point, which is you want experience with those products. You want to actually use those products before you share them with people or recommend them because it's risky to, to you know, to, to offer something that you, that you don't know much about or that you're not very familiar with. And that's what most people are doing. They're not spending the time to really get in depth with these products that, or that they're recommending and it's unfortunate because what happens when someone uses that product that you recommend and they might not have a good experience with it? Yeah, they're going to be upset at that particular product owner or whoever created it, but they're going to be more upset at you because they trusted you to give them something that they needed and you didn't. And so that's why understanding exactly what products are necessary and just getting really a good understanding of each of those individual products is is really important too. Um, And and you think about the power of experience. I mean, a lot of us buy things on Amazon.com and we look at all all the reviews on Amazon from people we don't even know who are sharing their experience with a particular product. I mean, they're they're changing our buying decision one way or another. We don't even know who they are. So imagine sharing your experience with a particular product that you're using, that you're recommending, and you have an amazing relationship with them. I mean, you can't beat that at all. So one tactic I like to use is is what I like to call, uh, you know, um, what do I call it? uh, Unboxing the mystery, which kind of goes along with, uh, you know, just sharing everything there is to know about that particular product. What's good, what's bad know how to get started everything and I like to do it through video just so people can see what they're going to get before they get it that's what a lot of people like to do that's what that's why a lot of people um, just subscribe to those YouTube channels where people buy things and they open up the box I mean they film themselves opening up a box and taking everything out of it like millions of views billions like hundreds of millions of views on 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 a video of someone opening an xbox like Like from the package like why because people want to see what they're going to get before they get it so you can do the same thing with affiliate marketing a lot of people will do that when you you promote your own products and launch your own products but for some reason when it's affiliate marketing a lot of people just say oh here's a link and that's it but you can say here's a link here is a tutorial on how to use it Here's everything that is good about it. Here's everything that's bad about it. Here's a video that's going to walk you through it. Here's a podcast interview with the owner so you can sort of see where it's coming from and why wow. I'm using this product and, and so you can sort of uh, understand who's behind it. Like all those sorts of things matter with affiliate marketing. And then you want to talk about proof as well as uh, as much as you can, you know, what, actual tangible proof is there that that product is actually going to work for people, proof that uh, from the experience that you've had or experience that people who uh, have taken your recommendation have had. And then finally, you know, you still have to sell it a little bit. I mean, um, you still have to, you know, if you really believe that product's going to help them, you have to show them and you have to kind of say, okay, this is it. This is what you need. And at the point at which you are selling on your site or actually, um, putting those affiliate links on your site there's a few things you can do. Number 1, just be honest that those are affiliate links. A lot of people will appreciate that the fact that you're letting them know that if they go through that link, you're going to get a little bit of money. Um, a great thing to do with that is to let them know also that they're not they're not going to have to pay any extra money. You know, it's not like they're paying you. They're just taking it that you're getting money from the owner of that product. You're not getting any money from that particular, you know, it's at no extra cost to the buyer. So that's something also uh, that you, that you can mention also, you know, offering support at the time uh, on your site or on your podcast, when you're mentioning that product, you're recommending just saying, you know, Hey, here's this product, here's all these videos and everything. that's going to help you understand what you're going to get. But if you still need help, if if you have any questions about it, let me know. I'm here as a resource. And what that does is, you know, a lot of people are going to see that and they're like, Oh, okay, well, if anything goes wrong i can always go to thomas or i can always go to pat so i'm going to be more comfortable taking out my credit card and paying for this and what it also does is if people do have questions they'll ask you and hopefully if you know that product well enough you can ask you know you can answer those questions well enough um, and those people who ask you questions you know they're they're warm leads they're hot leads who are interested in the product they just need a little bit more convincing that, uh, to let them know that that is something that they need and hopefully that's something you could do and understand if you know that product well enough. Um, another thing I like to do and actually one of my most popular pages on smartpassiveincome.com is my resource page. So any sort of products that I've recommended on any other post or podcast, I sort of compile into this list. And I call it my resource page um and it just is a list of it breaks down into different categories and it's just a big list of everything that i've recommended uh and anything that's helpful really not everything on there has an affiliate commission tied to it but a lot of things do and what that does is it gives people one single place where they can go to find everything they need and uh, what's cool is it's it's probably the least aggressive kind of selling you could do people choose to go there to look for something and there you are providing that solution for them and you're getting paid for it and they're finding exactly what they need so it's like a win-win for everybody Um, and then probably the last tip that goes along with uh, you know when you're recommending a particular product you know offer a bonus so if if there are any holes in that particular product or anything that you feel can be improved that you can add to it maybe that's something you can add and just offer as a bonus you know when people buy it they send you their receipt and you can just send that to them um you know, if, there, uh, if there's any holes in the products or maybe a quick start PDF or, you know, maybe you can bring everyone together in a particular webinar, you know, that you want to hold for the, for all the buyers to help them walk through uh, that particular product and answer questions for them. I mean, there's so many things you could do to give a little bit more value to your uh, to your audience who is potentially going to go through this affiliate links that is going to really get them off the fence and buying through you because, you know, you're probably not the only one offering that product online. But if you have those special bonuses and again if you have that relationship and you share your experience and you show proof um, and it's the right product I mean you can't lose and so that's why I've been making about thirty to $40,000 a month um, affiliate marketing on Smart Passive Income in a way where it actually deepens and strengthens the relationship I have with people because it's the products that they need, they use it, they see from my example how to use it and then they get results and you know, of course they're going to come back for more if that's the case.
0: So really it's kind of just like treating yourself as almost you know almost the person who made the product that you're promoting. Yep. You're being absolutely. like that serious about it. And that's probably the reason that the people who just spam the link and don't do anything else are usually not very successful because they're not really trying to help you they're just trying to get the sale. Yeah, and I absolutely. Think people know it.
1: Yeah, oh totally, totally, especially now. I mean, a lot of those people, the spammer type of affiliate marketers, That you know, they'll build a website and they'll put a little story on there with a little product and they'll just send like Facebook traffic to that website or they'll buy AdSense or Ad, AdWords ads just to send, you know, they'll pay for traffic to go there. Like they don't care who that other person is that's coming to their site. They don't know who they are. It's just a number to them. And I think that's, you know, what when when you start to think about actual people as just numbers and conversion rates. I mean, that stuff is very important, but you got to remember that there are other people that, that they're actually people on the other end of the, of of that line, you know, and that's who you were trying to build a relationship with and who can benefit from what you have to offer. And if you have something to offer and you've helped them, they're going to want to help you out even more.
0: Right. So the key difference is really that you see it as helping people first and, Okay, you make some money on the side. You know, you make some money, and that's the second priority. And even if it's a lot of money, the first thing you want to do is help people reach their goals. Whereas those kind of people, that is the only thing they care about is making the money. They don't care who clicks the link, who buys it. Right. And that's right. that's really been the difference for you. Which, and I think that's what everyone should aspire to do is help people first, and then think about how they're going to be able to profit from it later. Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you first built your product for the Green Exam Academy and you first put that on the site. Were you scared that people were going to think you were kind of a sellout? Because, I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of how I felt when I first got into this affiliate marketing thing is that I was scared people would think I was just profiteering off of it and not caring. Right. How did you feel about it?
1: Um, you know, I was worried for a lot of reasons. I was worried that I was going to be a sellout I was, uh, because I had provided all that information for free already, and that was maybe just now at that point where I wanted to cash in. Uh, I was worried because a lot of what – about 95% of that guy that I sold was made up of the exact, like literally the exact same content that was on my website for free. And I think that's what scared me the most. So I was like, why would people buy this? Um, if they can get all the same information for free, or why would people keep it if they learned that they could get all the same information for free? And, you know, I talked to a lot of my peer advisors at the time who were doing online business too. And they're like, you know what, as, as long as you make it convenient and you make it high quality and you make it ordered in a specific way, and it's just, again, convenient, uh, people aren't going to complain at all. And out of, I think, 12 to 13,000 sales later, I've had one person complain about that, about the fact that everything was pretty much almost exactly the same. Everyone saw value in the convenience of it and the quality of it. And of course, I added a little bit more. Just, you know, people, it's easier to study from an ebook or something that's packaged as opposed to just flipping from website or page to page to page on a website um so there was a lot of so i did provide a lot of value and i I didn't think that i was doing so um but as far as being a sellout you no know, i didn't you know it, it, again i i didn't get any sort of backlash from that from selling it at all and i think because i really wanted to help people and uh you know i got i didn't get i didn't get hey you're a sellout i got hey you are my savior <laughs> like <laughs> thank you for putting this together um You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, And honestly, you never know what's going to happen until you do it. And as long as you can keep in mind that you want to be always providing value to your audience, to your traffic, to the people who make up that traffic, then you really have nothing to worry about. And if you start to, uh, you know, you could, you could sort of read into your traffic or your, your first set of buyers as far as how they're going to think of it. And, you know, you can sort of react, from there but again you'll never know unless you try and if you just wonder the what if the whole time I mean that that would kill me just being like what if I what if I actually like if I was still an architecture and I was like wow what if I actually did put that website online and try to make money from it what if what if what if I mean that would kill me I would rather know okay I tried it and it failed at least I know at least I did it you know so
0: so really it's as long as you keep your your key values in mind you can take risks and see what's gonna happen Cause as yep. long as you have those in mind I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen
1: yeah exactly I say that to myself all the time because I do get to a position in my business a lot where I get scared or I don't know what's gonna happen um, and I always ask myself you know well what's the worst that can happen like getting up on stage and doing pu- public speaking I was definitely afraid of doing that and now I'm in love with it but when I, at first I was just like you know what what's the worst that can happen I just stumble you know, I know my content, so, you know, it, it's not going to be as bad as I might think it could be. Like, I'm not going to trip and my nose is going to bleed and then, you know, my pants are going to come off or fall off. You know, it's that, you know, you th- people tend to think the worst, absolute worst things that can happen. And those things are typically, you know, not even close. You know, there's like no chance that any of that stuff would happen.
0: That reminds me of a quote from, I think it was James Garfield. So I, I spent my life worrying about a lot of things, but the worst of them never, ever happened. Mm-hmm. So it's a great thing Absolutely. to keep in mind. Awesome. Well, we are getting uh, almost to the hour mark, so I'm going to start wrapping up pretty soon. But you mentioned that you were scared of public speaking, and now you love it. So that's one thing I got to ask you. How did you get over your fear of public speaking, and why do you love it so much now?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, I just did it. And just obviously the more you do something, the more comfortable you get at it, uh, and or the more comfortable you get with it. And that's sort of how I felt when I started doing videos on YouTube, when I did the podcast, same thing. I was scared to do those things, but I just dived right into it and just said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to try my best. I'm going to learn and educate myself as much as I can about it. I read a couple good books, um, Stand, and, Stand and Deliver, which is a Dale Carnegie book about public speaking. Uh, that was excellent. Uh, Zen presentation is good. Uh, Slideology resonates by Nancy Duarte. Those are all great public speaking books. And so, you know, I wasn't going into it cold. I obviously prepared for my speech and also learned from the best. You know, I I watched fifty TED videos presentation, uh, fifty TED presentations, just trying to see what people were doing. You know, why were they on TED? What what made their – you know talks interesting what did I like about them what that what didn't I like about them so I can sort of incorporate into my own style and again I just I just did it and you know the reason why I love it so much is because it sort of brings me back to when I was performing in the marching band you know here we are going full circle now Um, you know I would prepare for a particular halftime show and I would spend you know a week we did a different show every week Um, you know I would memorize it I would prepare and then I would perform it and as I was performing because I had just learned that music and, and my steps so much. Um, it, it, was, it was sort of like an out of body experience where I was just performing. I was sort of in my zone, and then after the performance, I would sort of back into my body and be like, "Whoa, what just happened?" Um, and it's such an amazing feeling. I think performers and artists like understand that. Um, it's just a weird. It's it's a weird but awesome sort of feeling you get when you do that. And I f- I feel the same way when I'm on stage. And I love the immediate interaction i get from people when i'm speaking like we you know we're talking on this podcast now um we don't know exactly what parts people listen to and they're like yeah that's awesome or you know they're you know to get that immediate feedback we don't get that on a podcast i mean we get the feedback later which is helpful um but you know when you're doing live speaking you know it's it's sort of a challenge and it's cool to you know put a joke in in your presentation and then everybody laughs i mean it's like yes that's awesome like you get such a high and then everyone everyone in the room together sort of reacts together and and, and just heightens the sort of uh aura of the room and just you know it's it's so it's so cool i and it's challenging and that's another reason why i like it because it's it's um you know th- there's a reason why people fear it it's just you're up on stage and everybody's looking at you you know on a podcast we can just be talking on skype and that's it but yeah so i just there's so many awesome things about it i just i just love it it just makes me feel uh, very fulfilled once once it's over
0: totally agree and honestly i love public speaking as well but for me it was another thing that was scary growing up um would you say that your experience with podcasting and making videos has helped your public speaking ability
1: oh absolutely no question no doubt about it um it's definitely made me more comfortable with being able to communicate things it's made me more comfortable with my voice and my face (laughs) you know it's all those sorts of things that people are typically scared of um of of sharing and so yeah definitely i i i I think if I went first into public speaking, I, w- I would be terrible. And, you know, I, f- I still feel like my first presentation was, quote, terrible, but in the sense that my other ones have just gotten so much better. And, again, that can only happen once you start doing it.
0: And you have that constant improvement. Mm. Awesome. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up. And This has been amazing. I've learned so much, and I can't wait for people to hear this. So if people want to connect with you and read all about you, where should they go?
1: Uh, you can go to SMART Passive Income dot com uh and you can see some of my latest projects at patflyn.me. dot me that's where you can pick up let go and uh some other stuff that i have going on too
0: cool and then what about twitter
1: uh at pat flynn.
0: awesome cool thank you so much for coming on the show and i hope you have an
1: awesome day dude thanks man you too take care everyone
0: all right hope you enjoyed the interview with pat flynn hope you learned something From it or were inspired I know I was and getting to talk to one of my heroes and interview him for this podcast was one of the coolest experiences ever and to me was the ultimate validation for starting this podcast because I was able to spend an hour talking with one of my heroes. So, again, if you want to get the show notes, you want to get any summarization of this episode or anything I link to, go to collegeinfogeek.com slash cast and click on the link for episode 7. Also, I would highly recommend following Pat on Twitter. He's a really, really nice guy, always very open to talk to people. So, if you're looking to build a relationship with somebody who can be very helpful, follow him on Twitter. And you can also follow me. I'm at Tom Frankly, And that's it for the show. I'll be back probably next week. And have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.